This show is brought to you by Buzzsprout.com, the best and excitingly prettiest way to start a podcast. Chapter 14 Sleep Doctor Part 3 Reflections and Projections 1 I am the dimension you created. You have frozen still all your arts. Frozen still, you're still bleeding. You know we could have had something real. Living. I hope you know we had less than nothing. She killed me while you slept dreaming. I want you to die like I've died today. I want to abuse like you use me to play. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. It was the voice from behind that made Jamie stop dead. A very cold chill ran up her spine. She did not want to turn around. She had many reasons, a lot of them stemming from a fear she wasn't used to feeling, one that gripped her perilously as that nightmare had gripped her heart. Perhaps it was the same nightmare. Perhaps she was indeed still dreaming. Perhaps everything was a dream. As she stood, the chill refusing to falter, she began to calm herself in the knowledge that she had forgotten to shut the bathroom door upon exiting, and that the cold chill that she felt was merely emanating from the shower-sized cryotube behind her. But then she remembered that it wasn't the chill that had made her stop in her tracks. It was the voice. Initially, Jamie had headed towards the world outside the seedy motel room in Ware, Massachusetts, with a strange yet utterly palpable sense of arrogance. Stemming, no doubt, from her temporary but no less impressive improvisational solution to one of her latest problems. In the milliseconds before the voice had sounded from behind her, Jamie had even imagined whether Jeannie could be saved or not, receiving consoling words and gestures from her new mystical comrades. Quick thinking, my dear, she imagined I might say, my tones resonating through her mind firmly, though irresolutely. You did everything you could. I know you did. The voice of Megan Hennessy echoed, although Jamie wasn't sure whether that was her imagination or a recent bloody memory. The milliseconds now passed, the arrogance now evaporated, and nothing except the chill remaining. Jamie Mortimer came to the conclusion, having accepted the fact that she was indeed awake, that she must have hallucinated the voice, imagined the words. Jamie took a deep, slow breath. In the end, she decided not to turn around. But the latest victory over her own mind came in the form of a choice. 
A choice to believe that if living beings can hallucinate the dead through bereavement, general sadness, crippling guilt, mental illness, or a mixture of all, perhaps the same holds true for beings like Jamie, the not-quite-living dead. Maybe the resurrected mind and corporeal body that she was currently inhabiting would be capable of imagining such horrors as she had just heard, even what she had also experienced in the mirror earlier on in the bathroom. And so, raising a steadied right hand, Jamie clicked her fingers, swinging the bathroom door shut behind her. The chill finally stopped. Out of sight, out of mind, Jamie muttered. She allowed herself a small smile as she continued her long strides towards the motel room door. Inside her, the previously felt arrogance had replaced itself with a more subtle confidence. Though that confidence was immediately shattered when she opened the motel room door. The quiet confidence, somewhat thankfully, was not shattered by crippling fear, more a conflation of confusion and exasperation. Given the sentient spanning labyrinth that Jamie now called home, it wasn't uncommon to step from one room to another and find yourself previously inhabiting relatively normal surroundings, like an office or swimming pool, and then suddenly finding yourself in the middle of a converted volcano or beautiful, resonating places of worship sourced from far-off or long-extinct civilizations. Jamie had even once wandered into the Situation Room of a Russian Cold War counter-terrorism center. She was looking for her runaway coffee cup, which she found in a dark corner, stealthily snatching and feasting on old soldiers' pens. These common and occasionally humorous misunderstandings, humorous only because Jamie and I's varying power over memory, especially that of humans was rather assertive, meant that the surprise and wonder she once felt whenever accidentally entering these various places and times had lowered to a dull throb of interest. This, therefore, also meant that her outer verbal reaction to what she saw before her, presently, was one of profanity and annoyance. Oh, for fuck's sake. Not now. Before her was supposed to be a corridor, or perhaps a porch giving way to a parking lot. Jamie hadn't exactly memorized the layout of the motel on her way in, being as distracted as she no doubt was the night before. But Jamie did know that she had not chosen this door as her binding threshold. She knew this because she had always heeded my advice not to bind my sentient house to doorways that other people were likely to wander through accidentally, and rather to use seemingly insignificant and more precise options, such as the back of a wardrobe or a bathroom cubicle permanently locked from the inside. Jamie could even recall the precise location of the defective walk-in freezer that she had chosen, situated underground, at the basement level of an abandoned burned-down factory, a couple of miles due east of the bar, in which Jamie had crossed paths with Jeannie. She still wished she hadn't, but that wish did nothing to further banish the confusing, vaulted darkness that now lay outside the motel room door. The darkness began just beyond the door's threshold, and seemed to span for miles in every possible direction, all except straight ahead of her. What was straight ahead of her was something she liked and understood far less than the vaulted space. Her reflection. One that still seemed to possess the same sickness as before. Mockingly, it faced away from her. The reflection itself seemed to be standing in an oversized mirror that was growing closer and closer to the threshold, and larger and larger in size. Jamie decided, as she stepped slightly back into the motel room, that what she had previously seen as a distant mirror now looked more like a growing, swirling lake of water that she was somehow viewing from a bird's-eye perspective. The lake continued to grow, 
filling up the darkness as if it were an empty glass, making her reflection larger than Jamie herself was. It was a strange sensation to feel dwarfed by the back of your own head. The other thing she noticed, apart from how truly split her split ends had become, was that her reflection wasn't moving. Or rather, when Jamie herself had chosen to move, her reflection did no such thing. It just stood there, like it was waiting for something. Then, without any warning, her inverted reflection began to step forward into... Well, she did not know where. Previously, her reflection had been inverted, but had still moved with her movements, had even inverted her cries into laughs and vice versa. Now, though, the reflection seemed to possess movement of its own, as if it were now totally independent of Jamie, and had its own places to be. Where you go, I go, Jamie said, sticking an arm over the threshold, the watery gateway now close enough to touch and feel. Her reflection continued its slow journey forward, beginning to reveal the surroundings on its own side. The surroundings themselves were difficult to decipher thanks to the extra ripples created by Jamie's sudden contact with the gateway, if that's what it was. She removed her hand and looked at it, surprised at how dry it seemed. If she didn't move now, she would miss her opportunity, because if she had no sense of direction once she arrived on the other side, she would surely be lost in some kind of limbo. There was a few meters of dark space between her and the liquid gateway. Jamie did herself a favor and stepped back slightly further into the motel room, giving herself a good amount of space for a running jump. She glanced outside the motel room window at the ever-reddening sky. Jamie went down on her haunches, centering herself for what lay ahead. A large amount of this mental preparation was unspoken, largely consisting of quickening breaths. Jamie looked to her left, briefly focusing on the closed bathroom door and the frozen ghost beyond. Here we go then, Jamie said, her head snapping back to the gateway beyond the threshold. With one final slow breath out, Jamie began her run. Three. The feeling upon impact was one of disarray. Jamie found herself submerged in some kind of dark and apparently endless liquid. At first she thought she was drowning. Around her, Jamie's world seemed to bend into a warped ocean of blackness. The only thing she could see beyond her eyes was her inverted reflection. It was striding forward beyond the watery gate, mocking her in its certainty. Out of spite, Jamie looked away, stealing a quick glance behind in the direction of the door through which she had entered. The door was nowhere to be seen. Jamie started kicking and thrashing angrily, but wasn't altogether sure if she was being carried by her own art of motion or the unseen current of the surrounding liquid. Making it to the other side seemed to be a task she was only partially present for. And yet, when it finally occurred, and she was suddenly down on her knees, breathing heavily and coughing hard, Jamie somehow knew that if she hadn't made the initial choice to step back, collaborate and run before jumping, she wouldn't have made it to the other side. Whatever she had been submerged in, it definitely hadn't been water. As evidenced by the thinning black liquid she was now hurling out of her stomach and lungs, staining what felt like a marble floor beneath her knees and hands. Hurling complete, and her body returning to a relative state of normality, Jamie began to take in her surroundings, rising up shakily and very, very slowly. On each side of her was a seemingly endless row of identically shaped, partially mirrored structures covered with shapes, elongated semicircles stretching up and around at the highest point, similar to the typical shape of cathedral windows. Each seemed to beam with a radiant, ominous glow of multicolor, 
to Jamie's mind not too dissimilar from stained glass, perhaps with differing suns shining through. All of this was guesswork, given that she was only using her peripheral vision to make any of it out. What she was truly distracted by was what lay ahead of her. Only a few yards away, Jamie could still see her inverted reflection, though it no longer needed a mirror to reside within. It seemed the reflection had itself become corporeal, fully embodied, like a clone attempting to elude her. Although Jamie was surprised to see that it was presently standing perfectly still, as if it were waiting for the real her to collect herself and get used to her new dimensions. Hey, Jamie called. No answer, just a slow shaking of the head. Yet another silent refusal to turn and face her. I'm talking to you. Me? Jamie called. You gonna tell me what's going on? The hell is this place? This time there was still no verbal response. Only a slow raising and a strange gesture of the right arm and hand. A gesture for Jamie to follow. Jamie followed, keeping her distance herself now mirroring the slow yet confident speed of the clone's movement. Through her peripheries, Jamie could see the shapes forming in the surrounding glass, making a note of the fact that the shapes only seemed to appear as she made her way past each of them. It was like they were attempting to communicate what lay on the other side, through a stained glass tableau. Jamie registered the beauty and the complexity of the shapes, but could not bring herself to take her eyes from the clone. The clone raised its left arm to join its right, then lowered them both each hand now coming into contact with the midpoints of the morphing stained glass either side. The clone's contact with the stained windows seemed to change their emanating multiglows to a reddish-brown, as if locking out access to whatever lay beyond, or perhaps asking the sun to lie. Jamie too raised her hands up, the edges of her vomit-stained fingers coming into contact with the glass. Upon first contact with the opposing pieces of stained stories, a terrible feedback began to assault her ears, causing her to cover them up, Jamie felt blood trickle through her fingers. Okay, fine, bad idea. She noticed her clone pause momentarily, again with a strange sense of patience, coupled with a slight nod of the head, as if it had been expecting Jamie's reactionary wince. The feedback had ceased almost as soon as her contact with the glass had been severed, telling her that whatever places lay beyond were ones she did not belong. Among the feedback, however, was voices she knew she recognized. Jamie began to increase her walking speed, more out of frustration than anything else. She had looked down momentarily to study her newly blood-stained left forefinger. Upon looking up, her clone disappeared. Just like that, seemingly vanishing down a previously unseen left turn. As Jamie herself reached the corner, the panic beginning to rise, she felt a wetness traveling down her left nostril. Oh, great. Wherever or whatever this place was, it definitely was not a healthy place for her to continue to reside. In this place, it seemed, it was her now fully embodied reflection that was in control, though now it had disappeared. It controlled, even by, or perhaps especially through, its sudden absence. All at once, a feeling of utter loneliness overcame her. Emotions and tears began to swell. Jamie screamed and it was the act of screaming that refocused her mind, partly because of how therapeutic screaming can be for some people, but mostly because of the intrinsic, destructive element that occurs on the immediate environment when witches release genuine frustration. As it happened, Jamie swore she could see, through tightened eyes, the near-invisible sonic waves 
escaping from her wide mouth and furrowed brow, and hear the shattering sound of the surrounding stained glass. The place was caving in. Run, girl, run. This world was not meant for you. Run, girl, run. Because it's trying to cut you. Run, girl, run. Reflect on your sympathies. Run, girl, run. Recompense flows from history. That voice. That same voice that had stopped her dead in the motel room, which now felt like a million miles away, ironically now spurred her on to keep running, to ignore the glass in her hands, the blood gushing out of what she assumed was both nostrils. More disintegrating corners turned, internal incantations merely causing blood to clot, blackened, oozing wounds. Why couldn't she have just gone to House's Med Bay? What the hell was she thinking rocking up in Ware, Massachusetts? What had even drawn her here? And what the hell had happened last night? What the hell happened to Jeannie? Would she ever see her again? Would she ever see anyone again besides her own goddamn reflection? Would someone else find Jeannie? What about her parents? This latest question, as she ran down the disintegrating corridor, constantly thankful for the sturdy marble ground beneath her feet, the only thing around her refusing to falter, ultimately reminded her of Shaira and her mother. How she could be checking on her, from afar of course, in House's communications bay, flip-flopping between whether to travel to her present day and confront her, possibly comfort her, before revealing that it was she, Jamie Mortimer, that was responsible for most, if not all, of her current and forever lasting grief. All of these intrusive thoughts, plus the red beams of light streaming through, hot light no longer masked by and shone through multicolored, morphing stories of seemingly sentient sand, forced Jamie's eyes closed as she ran, and so she did not see what was right in front of her. And if it was possible for things to all of a sudden go blacker than black, they did. In the milliseconds before it occurred, the blinding light sourced from beyond the windows were causing shapes to form behind her eyes, beautiful and terrifying. They told stories just as the stained glass had, only this time they were no longer still images in their final forms. This time they were lively, vibrant, ridiculous, preposterous, hilarious. Then it ended. The colours, the lights, even the glass had stopped shattering. Yet somehow she could not open her eyes. Nor could she move. Access to motion from the neck down had almost completely ceased. There was nothing except... Nothing. The only thing Jamie Mortimer felt and heard was the pain in her chest. And the paralyzing, penetrating, patronizing sound of her own laughter. laughter. End of part three. If you're a podcast clown like I am, you must have dreamed about starting your own. Let me tell you, my dreadful darlings, it's never easy, but it's one of the best decisions I ever made. It was either that or waste away in my own subjective ascendance. Of course, it can be more than just a little overwhelming to know how to get started. 
Buzzsprout can help you launch your podcast professionally and in style, linking you with all the major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. Join us up in the buzzing, sprouting podcast cloud to breathe in the renowned analytical sound of the accurate analysis and promotion tools provided. Follow the link in the show notes below to start your journey and receive a $20 Amazon gift card. We're waiting for you. Buzzsprout, the best and excitingly prettiest way to start a podcast.